0: Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, February is Black History Month, and we always look to find ways to take current events and connect it to our brand. Um, And I think that a topic that is, you know, having more and more conversation over the last several years is the place of Jews of color. I think that, I mean, something I've spoken to people now as we're doing more work in Hollywood with Jewish depictions, spoke to a TV writer recently who said, There are no Jews of color in, you know, Hollywood depictions. It's really all very Ashkenormative. Um, But, you know, sort of as I think the community is speaking out more and as the world, I hope, is becoming more sensitive, I think we're hearing more of these uh, stories covered. Um, I think we're hearing more stories of how the community needs to face our own racism. Um, And when it comes to Kiddush Hashem, You know, my rabbi is a huge believer that the greatest kiddush Hashem is self-awareness and always looking to grow. And so I think it's so important that we hear stories of blatant racism, you know, and sort of look how to improve. And also, um, what are sort of subtle ways that we're being racist to people? I can share with you something I wrote about years ago. There was a woman that I assumed, I assumed that she was a convert because I knew that she was black or half black. Um, And I asked her very innocently. you know, a question about conversion, I was trying to refer a potential convert to her and it was so hurtful um, that I just assumed that she wasn't born Jewish because um, she had gotten this her entire life, sort of seen as an outsider in our community. And so I think these stories thankfully are coming out more. And I think that we can, Accidentally make these mistakes when we have good intentions. And so those are topics that we've covered before. We have talked about racism in our community before. We have called out the sources that people use to uh, justify racism to show they're not. But now we're going to do a different angle today for Black History Month. We want to talk to um, a Black Orthodox Jewish woman to find out how have you experienced anti Semitism as a Black person? Because these are, it's another topic that's really important. And I think maybe some of the time, when Jews uh who are white passing white look at you know Jews of color black Jews they sort of see them as other because they don't necessarily think that they go through the same experiences of anti-Semitism that they do. And I think it's so important to sort of discuss this angle. Um, and there's a brilliant woman that I'm delighted to introduce you to her name is Ali Sheva Rishon. She is a fashion designer um, and I'm so delighted to have her on our show today. So Ali Sheva thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I just want to, wow. I just want to start off by saying that you know we've spoken before on social media. I just want to compliment you that I think you're such a, a sensitive and um, you have such a, a positive way about you. You know to explain where you're coming from, what you're experiencing in a way that um, you know brings people closer um and you know educates um and so i just want to start sort of start off by complimenting you that you have a really um positive way about the way that you educate and articulate and so you know you should continue to have Haslacha with that thank you so much i really appreciate it it's been
1: a long road to even get to this point so i really appreciate it when
0: i hear positive feedback um so can you tell our viewers uh, sort of what your Jewish background was growing up? Um, where did you grow up? Um, how did you grow up? What was your education and observance? Okay. So I was born and raised
1: in the Orthodox Jewish communities of Crown Heights and Flatbush, which was um, very interesting and also very trying. I grew up in a strictly Orthodox Jewish home, Shabbat, 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 Nigia. Like everything, like everything very strict. We had to go to shul every Shabbat, even though we didn't want to sometimes, especially me. I personally did not like the experience if we were sitting too far back because then people would turn around for the whole service and stare at us and it would give me such anxiety. And I would just be like, why don't you just say hi or like be a friend? But it was just a very awkward experience and also walking to and from shul for me was also a very anxiety filled type of situation because the Jewish people, even though they've seen us for years, would get really weird and just stare and point at us while we're walking. And for a visual, you know, my father and my brothers, you know, they're wearing the black hat you know, like very visually Orthodox looking. So like, there was no doubt about it. They would stare at us and point at us as if we were zoo animals and non-Jewish people, Driving in their cars and walking down the street would also stare at us and point at us as as if we were zoo animals.
0: So it was just
1: like we didn't
0: belong belong
1: anywhere. We were like a spectacle for the whole world. And I just hated that kind of feeling, you know. And educationally, I've had a mixed education in my life. I have secular schooling, I have religious schooling, I did go to college, and I also have homeschooling. And my parents actually made a decision to do homeschooling. Because of the situation in Crown Heights at the time, it just seemed like the safest way to go. And that really also changed the way that I view the world, I think, because when you go into a homeschool setting, even when you end up going to a regular school later, it's like I kind of viewed people as family, even though they weren't my family. So. And something negative happened, I took it very personally because I really viewed us as his family. And even when it came to people that weren't Jewish, I just saw like all of us as one people. And that was just my view of the world. So I didn't really understand when I would have to deal with anti Blackness within the Jewish community and I would have to deal with anti Semitism or anti Jew hatred um, in the non Jewish community. And on top of that, it's also anti-orthodox discrimination, which is a whole other layer that I did not anticipate, including coming from some, not all, but some fellow Jews that participated in that, they would other us the same way that the media does. The media likes to depict us in this archaic, backwards way, and they never captured the beauty or the authenticity of the actual orthodox community. And unfortunately, some people they have one bad interaction with an Orthodox Jew and they apply that to the whole entire Orthodox Jewish community. They have one bad interaction with us and that, that's just it. And, or they use the media to apply to us, you know? And that's also the same situation when it comes to anti-blackness as well. If you have one black, like one bad interaction with a black person, all of a sudden all black people are like this. And when it came to anti-Semitism. Getting it from the black community was particularly hurtful because I think a majority of people are not not anti-Semitic and they're not anti-black in the Jewish community and the black community in America. I think that a few people are and that a majority of people are indifferent. So they stand to the side while it is happening and they don't interject. Mm. But that was what my life was like growing up Black, Jewish, Orthodox, and American. It was like the best way I can describe it. There's a tightrope. I'm walking a tightrope. The tightrope is slowly falling apart. Underneath the tightrope is a circus. I'll get stomped if I fall for sure. But at the same time, there's these hooks in me that are pulling me in multiple directions. Mm. I'm just... That's what I feel like it's been. And the worst case scenario. Mm. The flip side is that um, I have the ability to view a situation from multiple perspectives holistically. I'm not just focusing on one thing, I'm
0: focusing on everything because I have to, because it involves all of me. Mm. Wow, that's complicated and profound. Can you give us any specific examples of anti-Semitic experiences you've had um, from non-Jewish people? Okay, so the
1: issue when it comes with non-Jewish people, as well as Jewish people as well, is that there is a, a lack of education, a lack of communication and indifference, as I mentioned before. So they would not understand culture i was coming from for example these non-jewish kids they would make fun of how i would wear a skirt every day Mm -hmm. and they didn't realize it was a religious thing and they thought that i was trying to be uppity or was trying to be an oreo trying to be a pineapple that's just the kind of situation that was going on there and like
0: neighborhood kids yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
1: um it was difficult to go through that because at the at the very beginning I'm like a very naive person. I, you know, I, when they would say certain things, I wouldn't understand. You know I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't what they were saying, and I would have to go to my parents to find out what it meant. Now, hmm. so, for example, um, I'm going to tell a funny story, but before I tell a funny story, I'm going to tell a sad story. My first experience with anti semitism, memory wise, as a child, was the riots. Oh wow! And I was very young when it happened and i remember the fear i had because people the same color as me i knew did not like us they were really angry and if they caught you helping someone like like with the fulcher situation if they caught you helping someone that was not the same color that was jewish they would get angry at you as well so you were like you know putting yourself in danger and also in the community as well, Jewish people were not, some, some Jewish people were not looking too fondly on you as someone black because they were seeing you as the attacker. So mm-hmm. in that moment in time, I felt like no one had my back. And it was honestly, we don't talk about it enough in the media. It was the worst moment, in my opinion, in modern day American history. It was the moment that two communities who should have been working together were not. That should have never happened. And that made me aware more than ever in that moment in time that I was Jewish. Mm. I didn't even really, you know, grasp at that point in time that I was black, but I knew that I was Jewish and I knew what that meant when that happened.
0: So what, how old were you at the time and sort of how did you perceive, did you see rioting on the street? Did you know people that got hurt? Sort of how did you... Um, okay. I remember watching on the news, um, (laughs) but yeah, what was it like to be there?
1: Um, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I went, I know I was very young. I remember the rocks coming through the window and my father running to the window to yell at them. Hmm. And my father actually was a teacher at a junior high school and crown heights at a secular school. And he came out there yelling and they said his name and they ran away because they didn't realize it was my father's house. Um, You know, there's like, There were like dualities going on there. Like they were they were targeting Jewish homes and they didn't even know whose home that was, but they were just targeting Jewish homes. I remember that that there were things burning outside, like cars that were on fire. It felt like to me, because once again, I was very young, so I was just like in the middle of this, and I was just really terrified. It felt like I was in the middle of a Holocaust movie combined with a civil rights movie. Mm. Like, and even though the riots ended, whenever it ended, there was still in the air for some time this feeling of fear, of distrust. You had no real place in that community if you were both Black and Jewish. It was just this feeling, and it was a very awful feeling, a very bad vibe. And that's just the best way that I can describe it. But it's also the feeling that I got from that moment from that event is also why I do what I do today because I knew I never wanted to see such an event happen ever again in American history like that should have never happened never and it did and I just want to do all that I can to make sure that both communities communicate because
0: no one that should never happen ever again I was going to ask you, the next question is going to be, have you experienced racism and anti-Semitism simultaneously? But it seems like um, the Crown (laughs) uh, riots, really, that was sort of that moment where um, you weren't sort of safe or included on either side, sort of you didn't even know where where to fit in. How many uh, Black uh, Crown Heights Jewish families were there at the time? Was there? Um, There were
1: quite a few. There were quite a few there at that time. And. In the end, there were only like two, and then one moved out, and then it was just us, and then we moved to Flatbush. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was just impossible to exist there at that time. At that point in time, when it happened, in that era, it was just very difficult to exist there. Mm-hmm. And it was, just, it was just too much. It was too much going on. So we had to go our own ways and go away. Some of us moved back eventually, like years later when, you know, the vibe was gone, but it was what it was. And going back to your question about experiencing racism and anti-Semitism at the same time, it has evolved. Like that was a crucial moment, a trauma. That's a, that's a trauma. That's a trauma moment that I managed to transform to something positive. But still, I experience uh, anti-Semitism and anti-Blackness simultaneously. However, I don't like it because I can't handle it. Uh, (laughs) When people shoot hatred at me, I can literally only handle one at a time.
0: (laughs) Pick one one way to hate me. I'll take this right now, but don't do two at a time. No, like people, what they've done with me, they literally, this
1: was a thing for like about three months. It started on Twitter, then it followed me to IG, then it followed me to TikTok. People decided to start calling me N-word, K-word. Oh, geez. I I had so many DMs, so many posts, so many comments. I could not even, like, I literally shut down for, like, two Mm. or three days before I figured out how to fix it. Mm. Um, Like, I told people to randomly DM something nice to a random person that they they follow, that they never spoken to before, because I had to reverse the energy, Mm because that's just what I do. Like, when bad energy shot at me, it sits in me. Mm-hmm. And I have to energy is energy, you know, so if it's there, I might as well use it for something else. So I just figured out how to make it positive And people were just doing this. And everyone was like feeling much better, because Twitter is very toxic. I don't know, oh, yeah. you know, like, it's a very toxic, dark place. So people really feel you know, like they appreciated having a random DM from someone saying, hey, I follow you and I just like to let you know that I think you're awesome. Like that's that was like a, a ray of sunshine in in Twitter. But also, and this has been happening on TikTok in the past month. Woo! So usually what people like to do when they're being anti-Semitic on TikTok is they like to say that you definitely should have been in the oven, or we miss putting you in the oven. So they decided to adjust because they're realizing there's so many Black Jewish people on TikTok now and very active. So they adjusted the oven comment to You would have been at the back of the oven. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. I, I, really? This, this is t- semitism today is not the anti-semitism of your mother and your grandfather mm-hmm. it has accelerated it is consistent like just like every other jew i get at least five anti-semitic comments per day and at least two death threats per week that's just common if you're active on social media and you're jewish that's it you know it's like it's like a bar mitzvah like you're not officially jewish on social media right. and so you get your first anti-semitic comment and it's like ah. Oh. Maslow, you're Jewish, You're Jewish. like, obviously, like it, it's a it's a moment where you just know that you've made it, you know, because you're Jewish, you're recognized as a Jew by the anti-Semite. You know, it is what it is. I try so my best to like, you know, is there
0: anything hopeful um, really back of the oven? That's probably one of the worst things I've heard in a long time. That's pretty. Awful. But but could that be a way for us to unite? Could we unite with, you know, sort of those two different parts of your identity? you know where yes
1: yeah absolutely like i was mentioning before about the media depiction that also applies to black americans as well america has structured itself in a way to keep the black community and the jewish community from uniting even though we did and we know why they're doing that because back in the day when we were united we literally changed the country like literally change the country. And they don't want to see that. They don't want to see us working together. They don't want to see us realizing that we are connected in our struggles. Anti-Semitism or anti-Jew hatred um, and anti-Blackness all comes from the same evil. It's all a part of white supremacy. And somehow America has made it a way that there's Black people living next to Jewish people, specifically like in New York. So there's this fake ideology that they're, the Jewish people are rich and they're looking down on the Black people and they're so wealthy and they're so arrogant and they're so racist. And then there's also the ideology of the Black people. They're so poor and that they're dealing like they have so much crime and poverty. Like, oh, they're awful. There's nothing we have in common. We have everything in common. Most people don't even know when I speak to them because I've had many conversations throughout the years to like, you know, make the barrier, you know, just break it and just build a bridge. Because at the end of the day, the one that's the bridge are black Jewish Americans because we're literally in the middle. And for the longest time, people were not allowing us to speak. But now they're finally open to hearing us speak. And I would explain to them, I'm like, you do know that a majority of Jewish families that I grew up with in Crown Heights were poor. Right. dirt poor i'm like they were like i literally upstairs down our downstairs neighbors there were like eight or nine kids and it was a two-bedroom apartment and they another kid was on the way i'm like they were just as poor as you were they were on food stamps like you were they did not have some magical money tree like we were literally They're living saying, the same life
0: the jewish community and the black community are believing the lies that white supremacists have said about each other that's sort of what the problem is that's yeah. fascinating Exactly. I would would add, in addition, I think that the Jewish community carries, um, the Orthodox community in particular, the xenophobia that we see, the racism that we see, I believe, is because of, you know, trauma that happened through the generations and sort of the distrust of the outside world, really anyone outside of my sort of little inner box, which, you know, I would like to see get broken. But what about on sort of the Black side, there is a Muslim influence with like Farrakhan of, you know, Jews as termites that is also something that has to be addressed, no?
1: Actually no, because that's another that's another misperception. Mm-hmm. A majority of Black people that I know don't listen to Farrakhan, don't like Farrakhan. Farrakhan does not represent them. That mm-hmm. is another thing that's being said in the Jewish community that has no relevance to reality. So this is what I mean. But like, mm-hmm. what about Farrakhan? And I'm like, nobody, nobody listens to him. Do you know? It's like a teeny, teeny, tiny minority mm-hmm. in the Black American community listen to him. The rest of us like call him a, a clown, an idiot, a joke because once again this goes back to the concept of anti-blackness in the jewish community and anti-semitism in the black community it's a tiny minority that's participating in it and the rest are indifferent and standing off to the side and that's what i really need to see happen what i do is try to reach people that are indifferent and push them to get involved because they're good people most people are not anti-semitic most people are not anti-black but they're afraid to get involved in the conversation mm-hmm. because they're afraid of what might happen to them or they're afraid about how the community might view them. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to, um, learn this lesson myself. I don't know if we have time to talk about that though.
0: We have about <laughs> five minutes to go. So, uh, yeah, give me, give me your lesson in the, in our uh, last segment of the show. Oh, okay.
1: So I'm embarrassed about this. I haven't told this to anyone publicly, like only the few people in there know what, Uh, about the situation. So pretty much uh, when I was like a teenager and I was in the shul, there was this rabbi, he was very racist, he was just awful. He was just an awful rabbi and everybody knew it, which is why they broke off into other shuls because they didn't want to be part of his congregation. And there was one Shabbat where he was ranting and yelling for no reason saying that my family wasn't Jewish, even though everyone knows that we are. And it was so embarrassing. I remember looking at all of the congregants and like no one said anything. And the same thing happened on the men's side. And that was the point where in my mind, I started to think in an OTD type of way. Mm. And about 10 years later, I was going to a meal with a friend. And the couple that was there kept staring at me and I didn't know why. And then the husband said, oh, I remember your family. He says my family's name. And he's like, you were there. And I remember... What happened that day, and he he recalled the entire situation. He was like, "I felt so mortified when it happened to your family, but I didn't know what to do, and my friends didn't know what to do, and we didn't want to like get involved." But I want you to know that I feel very sorry about it. And I was just smiling, and I was so angry, but I was smiling. And then when I left the meal, my friend was like, "How do you feel right now?" I'm like, "I'm never going to him ever again." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "I didn't need to hear that." Now the Ellie Sheva that was a teenager needed to hear that. She needed to know that someone cared. Mm -hmm. Wrong wrong because i never went to them ever again but that on my end was wrong Mm. what i had was a perfect situation of someone who was indifferent who wanted to move forward Mm. who was apologizing and wanted to make a difference i was too angry back then to see that and that was my bad on my end but those are the kind of people that i'm trying to reach because that's the majority of people honestly Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. they
1: want to do something but they don't know how so they're on the sidelines
0: I love it. This is beautiful. I I'm a big believer of most people are in the center. By the way, I, the only reason I brought up Farrakhan is because he did get some celebrity mentions a few years back with Tamika Mallory. I don't know how many,
1: people,
0: I don't know her Uh huh. for part of the women's March. I, mean, I don't know her. Uh Right. So I I don't know how pervasive that is. I just know sort of in the celebrity world that there was some mention, which, you know, I think some people are finding distressing. But I I appreciate and I did hear a black Jewish man that lives in the Midwest also confirmed to me that he believed that there was an influence. But again, I very much appreciate, you know, your experience on the ground. And I think it's important to clarify that because I think probably a lot of people are wondering, have heard that. And it's important to address that to say, you know, most of the people that you you know, know and have experienced uh, conversations with do not feel that way. And I think by discussing some of these uncomfortable issues that we've seen around, we can unpack them and understand them and address them. Um, and I think the idea of, um, you know, well, first of all, I think there is a time to be angry. And I think that um, if you don't allow yourself to be angry when you've been hurt, then you don't stand up for yourself. So I think that that does have a place in sort of the process of you know, uh, being hurt, you know, to to just uh, ignore your feelings um, is not a healthy way to, to deal with that. So I think there is a time to be angry. And then there is a time to move forward. And unfortunately, some people stay in the anger and don't see a way to move forward. But um, I totally love this idea of, you know, Kind of reassessing your so would you reach out to this guy again maybe and uh
1: oh my gosh i wish I'm, I'm actually i just it popped in my head this morning i'm going to dm my friend and see like if they still live where they live in Flatbush because i have so much apologizing to do i feel awful I feel awful, you
0: know, like of coming back years later to say, by the way, I want to clarify what happened in that moment. I love it. It's beautiful. I mean, and this, by the way, is the essence to just get back sort of to the Jewish framing. Um, the idea of, you know, cheshbon hanefesh, to, you know, sort of assess yourself and to do chuva and to recognize this comes from your Jewish upbringing, your Jewish education, your Jewish neshama. So that's really beautiful. We have about two minutes left. Um, any sort of final words on what can our listeners do today? Uh, to try to um, not be indifferent, to try to lean into this conversation, to try to build bridges if they're Black, if they're Jewish, um, to try to connect with each other.
1: I believe, I'm going to reset it again, that we should focus on education, communication, and not being indifferent because being indifferent comes from a lack of communication, education. We have so much in common. Our people have gone through so much mm-hmm. and we can do so much together and it's like a waste. It's so upsetting that we're not working together, and just the previous week, it was very difficult for Black Jewish Americans because with the situation of she who must not be named, there was anti-Blackness and anti-Semitism coming into the conversation. I literally had people in my real life that I was literally dealing with hearing these things from. i like, no, Jews are not. No, Jews don't control the media. No, not all Blacks are out to get the Jews can you please like, like just listen and have a conversation. And I spoke to them and it's like, they reassessed their, what how they think. And that's what we need to do. We really need to have honest conversations with each other. And we shouldn't let the way that America has structured our communities and our ideologies and our representation in the media, equal reality. We need to actually communicate.
0: Well, um, you know, you were born with a lot of identities and, uh, walking in tightrope, but, um, I believe that you were given this really beautiful heart and this uh, articulate mouth to uh, take the, you know, your insights uh, and be able to articulate them to the world. So um, you should have continued hatzlacha to build the bridges, to build the understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel I am in wholeheartedly agreement with you. Um, it breaks my heart when I see racism from the Orthodox community, um, anti-Semitism from the Black community. Um, and seeing, you know, Black Jews getting squeezed in between. Um, and thank you so much for, um, you know, just giving language to all these experiences. And uh, we wish you continued hatslacha. Thank
1: you. Thank you for
0: having me. And uh, thank you guys for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye bye.